0: Greetings, everyone. I am Dr. Dave Donahue, and welcome to the Health Rules podcast. I am delighted that you were able to join us. This is the podcast where every episode we interview a expert in their field, someone who specializes in a very, very important area of health and medicine, and we construct a checklist. We try to construct the ideal checklist that should be followed to achieve the very best health we can in that area. This episode, we are going to talk about the airway and breathing and sleep. And I'm super excited about this because when you think about it, there is nothing more important than the airway and breathing. For example, if it gets disrupted for just more than a few minutes, you will die. But it turns out it's also very important in our long-term health. There are a lot of people out there who have compromised airway to some extent or another, compromised breathing, and it impacts their sleep. And this is massively underdiagnosed. So most people who have these airway problems, I'm gonna argue 90% because that's what the evidence suggests. 90% of these folks don't know about it. So this is, again, a super important topic because among the kinds of problems you run into When you're not breathing properly and when you have airway problems and when you're not sleeping properly as a result is everything from head to toe. Everything from memory, depression, anxiety, to problems with inflammation or an impaired immune system, to problems with fatigue and tiredness and pain syndromes, either in your jaw or in your head in the form of a headache or musculoskeletal pain throughout the body, fibromyalgia is very much linked to sleep quality and sleep duration. And we think that the airway plays a vital role in many, many cases in how well we sleep and and as a consequence, our overall health. So in order to dig in deeper into this very complex topic of airway health, we brought on board a world expert on the airway, Dr. Ryan Robinson. The letters after his name are a bewildering array of different certifications. He's DDS, DABCP, DABDSM, DABCDSM, and Q-O-M-D. So I don't even know what most of those mean, but I am fully aware that these are um, very specialized set of special specializations that Dr. Robinson has obtained in order to learn this discipline of airway medicine. It turns out there is no such thing as an airway medicine specialist, not officially. There's no one certification that you get. It's, it's, it's so off the radar of traditional medicine and traditional dentistry that nobody has gone and created a certification in the airway. And, and I, I think that speaks to the, to the fact that we're only waking up to how important this topic is. Dr. Robinson is triple-boarded in dentistry, craniofacial pain, and dental sleep medicine. He's the founder of his clinic called the Pain and Sleep Therapy Center. It happens to be here in Wilmington, Delaware. In 2021, just a few months before we recorded this, he published a book called The Root Cause, Discover the Why Behind Your TMJ and Sleep Problems. I had the privilege of reading and proofreading that book and i have to say is just a marvelous work a collection of fascinating um, anecdotes in addition to um, a a pretty thorough treatment on the science of the airway along with a a good long list of ways that he addresses these airway problems in the course of our discussion dr robinson and i um, go into the depth of how do you address this airway problem? Also who, what are the signs that you might have an airway problem? I mean it, I don't want to repeat what we're going to say in the interview but it, it has to do with things like feeling fatigued, uh, having pain in your body, in your head, in your jaw or elsewhere in the body in the form of musculoskeletal pain. There's evidence that fibromyalgia uh, results from chronic sleep problems which are often caused by um, airway uh, problems. Also, uh, Dr. Robinson um, shared with us a a questionnaire that he asks his patients, five questions that you can ask yourself uh, to help identify whether you might have an airway problem. He shares the secret sauce of once you think you have an airway problem, um, how are you gonna go find that rare diamond in the rough, that rare person who actually has the knowledge around the airway, that rare specialist who can do that thorough evaluation and measure, you know, every little element of your airway and find where um, you might have uh, problems with your jaw, with your tongue function, with the size of your palate, with any number of other, with inflammation in your nasal passages, uh, etc. So, in the course of the conversation we build uh, what I think is a really powerful checklist on ways that you yourself can address this issue of, of um, your own airway uh, and also some some very easy simple steps that just about anybody can take to kind of measure the degree to which you might have a problem and uh, and uh, even to start to fix it. So I hope you find the conversation as stimulating as I as I did and without further ado Dr. Ryan Robinson, welcome to our podcast.
1: Well, thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on here with you. I know we've had plenty of discussions leading up to this point, and uh, here we are. I think we have some really uh, cool topics to talk about, and um, I got some really interesting things that I've that I've done over the last uh, few months, and so I'm super happy to be here, and thanks for giving me the platform to you know, talk about things that are really important and, uh, to me and that I'm passionate about.
0: I am I am the lucky the luckiest guy here on the planet. I get to interview Dr. Ryan Robinson multiple times. You've been so kind to uh, make make the time. You you are an incredible force for uh, presenting a message to the world that that very few people are hearing. So this is one of this is uh, something I've I've been really looking forward to this conversation. Um, but before we get to the the exciting topic at hand, um, would you mind introducing yourself?
1: Absolutely, I would love to. Um, So, uh, uh, I am actually a dentist, and I um, I I say that with complete pride, Um, even though I don't do any dentistry anymore, and I don't practice, you know, conventional dentistry. uh, I am a dentist. I was that's how I was indoctrinated. I uh, graduated from the University of Maryland Dental School um, in 2011, and uh, since then, I've had basically two careers. Uh, One is in clinical dentistry. The other one is what I do today is help people breathe better, help people sleep better, help people get rid of their uh, their pain, and um, you know. And now I'm in, into I, I would say the third uh, uh, aspect of my career where I'm actually trying to educate other providers, educate the community on some of this stuff, mm-hmm. just because I've seen so much success here at my local uh, practice, and um, you know, working with some of my local collaborators, collaborators like you, um, and so that's kind of where I'm at. But yeah, I was born and raised in Delaware. Um, you know, the first state and, uh, you know, local guy who um, I would say anybody who knows me would say I am was extremely eager. I was extremely motivated uh, always to learn. I, I think my, the, the biggest asset that I bring to uh, the table here is that I'm always open-minded. I'm like, I'm someone who just believes, you know, your mind is kind of like a parachute and, uh, you know, it only works if it's open. And so I've just, I've, I've held that core value with me, um, along with what I would like to say is integrity, and I've I've learned uh, all the things that I can do, and I think I've carried that with me, and that's what sort of makes me a little bit more uh, maybe unique, so yeah, I I came back after dental school. I set up practice here um, in Delaware. I was a dentist, practiced for a long time. Um, I have a wife and two children. My wife is actually my middle school sweetheart, if you can believe that. Um, so we, um, we go way, way back. I can remember looking at, looking across the room in third grade and seeing her big, beautiful blue eyes. And, uh, that's sort of when we, uh, when we, when we met and, uh, yeah, the, the, the rest is history with that. We have two beautiful young children. Um, my son, Bryce and my daughter Reese who have their own airway journeys. My wife has an airway journey. Um, a lot of this stuff I know we're going to talk about can be found in my book, uh, the root cause. Um, which I just sort of um, uh, published and premiered and thank you so much for writing one of the forwards for me. Uh, your messages in that book is powerful. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to discussing all that. But uh, yeah, that's me. I'm simple. I like, I like what I do. I'm very passionate about you know this message that I think is so uncommonly talked about. And um, yeah, so I, 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 anytime anybody will hear what I have to say, I'm going to take them up on it because I think it's a powerful message that we can share.
0: Well, and, and your book is excellent. So it just came out recently here in 2021, and, uh, and it is a great read about the, the root cause of so many ailments, uh, and, and that being an a- inadequate airway, right? Um, exactly. So you have assembled this expertise around the airway, which is not easily done. There is no single specialization on breathing or airway, which is interesting because it's such a fundamental physiologic, biological process. If you stop doing it for more than a minute or two, there's a potential of, of death. I mean, it's, it's a vitally important subject and we, we don't really have a specialization for it. So could you ex- explain to us the, 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 the background you have around the airway?
1: Yeah, well, well, first let me touch on this. And you know, it's, 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 a, it's known facts that we can go three weeks without food, we can go three days without water, but we can't even go three minutes without air. And so, you know, that's something that I think, like you said, it's so fundamental, so fundamentally, um, you know, important that I think it gets overlooked. And I don't think we've ever developed a special area in medicine that's dedicated to this. I mean, you can comment on this, and I can comment on this. But like when I came out of dental school, you know, I got less than ten hours of of, of education on sleep. I got less than, less than, less than that on um, the basics of breathing. You know, I didn't even know what functional breathing, healthy breathing versus non-functional dysfunctional breathing looked like. I didn't realize the impact of the nose, which we can talk about, but yeah, I mean, my, my interest, you know, I had a, I had a, I had a big personal and professional career shift in 2015 and, you know, I loved being a dentist. I, I had a big practice, you know, I was helping. A, Tons of people. I was the 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 quintessential, you know, continuing education, you know, junkie. I was traveling around, learning as much as I could about as much as I could. I like to consider myself myself back in 2015 as like, you know, the jack of all trades. You know, I wanted to learn how to do root canals, how to do surgery, how to do cosmetics, how to do implants, how to how to use lasers. I mean, you name it. Dentistry is such an evolving field, which is um, really cool to be in, and just because of who I am, I like learning. But uh, I'd say. 2015 basically was an important year for me. Number one, I brought a child into the world, uh, my son Bryce, uh, which, you know, I truly believe now more than ever, like your life changes when you have a a child because you start to kind of question, you know, what is your purpose here on earth and and you have to make the most of your time. So when I had my first kid, it kind of was a a reset button of, you know, what am I doing? And am I passionate about it? And you know, how can I do better? And I love that quote by Maya Angelou that says, "You do the best you can until you know better. And then once you know better, you do better." Well, in 2015, I got a lot more information that I never would have dreamed of. I attended this conference in Wisconsin, and um, I did a breakout session. And you, know, back, I, I, I'm an owner of a dental practice at that point, and I was looking, on, I was looking to bring into, in new services into my uh, practice. And so this breakout session was called, you know, add an additional $1 million of revenue to your, to your practice through helping people sleep. And I'm like, huh, that sounds interesting. How can a dentist make people sleep better? So I attended this little breakout session and my eyes were just open. You know, it's like, I compare it to giving, you know, a kid glasses for the first time and they're, and they're, and they're saying, wow, you know, trees have leaves and, and, you know, flowers have petals on them and like, I was just like, oh my gosh, all these patients that I've been working on. And then I've been like, you know, beating my head against the wall. Like, why are they breaking their crowns? What are these bumps in their mouth? Why is their tongue so big? Why can some of my patients only sit back this far? Like all of these things started to make so much sense. When I looked, when I learned how to look past the teeth and I looked at the body that was connected to those teeth. And I looked at the mouth as more of just the gateway for what happens to the rest of the body. When I got this information, I went down a rabbit hole and I just wanted to absorb as much information as possible. So basically I put aside everything. I didn't, I, 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 to this day did not take another CE course dedicated to dentistry from 2015 to today, which is now six years later. I basically went as deep as I possibly could learning as much as I could about sleep. That then took me into the TMJ craniofacial pain world. Then I realized that all this was even more, there was even a more fundamental basis, which was breathing. And that's when I started, you know, being mentored by some of the world's leading, you know, airway um, clinicians and, you know, the Patrick McCowns of the world, right. And all these people that, that preach, you know, breathing as a, as a fundamental, as a principle of of core health. And so, you know, my path was um, different than a lot of dentists, but basically what I did was you know, I, I affiliated myself with some of the some of the um, the um, uh, academies out there that have uh, education on this: the American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine, the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, the American Academy of Craniofacial Pain. So these are some of the people that are, and organizations that I learned from. I also associated myself with all the top clinicians who are respected for this around the world. And there aren't too many of us that do this. Like you said, it's kind of a unicorn in the medicine world. It's even bigger unicorn in the dental world. So I basically just aligned myself with these guys. I spent time in their practices. I learned as much as I could. I kept coming back to my office. My staff probably thought I was absolutely crazy because every single Monday morning, I showed up to work. I was introducing new things. And they're like, man, when is this guy just going to be content with the things that we're doing and the answer is I'll never be content. And I realize that I'm chasing something that will actually never be able to be caught. And I've, I'm, I'm now at peace with that. But yeah, I mean, I think the, the path that I took as unconventional as it, as it was, I think will become more mainstream in the next 10, 15, 20 years. If people like you and I continue to preach this message of good health through airway and through breathing and through sleep, right? And, and all the, the fundamentals that you guys preach you know, at the American college of lifestyle medicine, you know, the six principles of health like that, that just resonates so well with me. And so, you know, I got in this, I got pigeonholed in, down this, um, this pathway. And then I started, you know, talking with people like you, I started talking with people, you know, in the, um, in the nutrition field, next thing you know, all my, all my best friends are cardiologists, you know, primary cares, uh, you know, pulmonologists, IBCLCs, I mean, you name it—physical therapists, all these people that I never dreamed of that I would be working with on a daily basis. E.N.T.s—I use E.N.T.s every single day, you know, in my practice. So it just—I—I I just keep feeding myself more and more information that just keeps empowering me to treat the patients um, absolutely better than I treated them the day before. So it's tough to answer that question. I know that's a long way around the you answering your question. It just took a lot of dedication, effort, energy to you know, going away and learning from some of these private, you know, practitioners. And, you know, this can't be found in the curriculums yet. You know, we're, we're, we're putting out the research. We're the ones that are developing the research. We're the ones that are going to be, you know, talked about, you know, 30 years from now when, when finally it ends up in a curriculum somewhere. So it's, it's tough to kind of answer your question, but I'd say, you know, just finding others who have, who have done, you know, the pioneers of this field who have done more than I have and learning from them um, so it's been an incredible ride and I'm blessed to be where I'm at. Um, but I'm, I'm even more motivated today than I was in 2015 when I had this paradigm shift in my, in my life. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really cool thing.
0: So it's, there's, there's a lot there and, and I'm, I'm so energized by, you know, your, your mission to approach uh, and find the root cause and fix the root cause. and And that's an area where you and I share and, and, your journey with uh, airway dentistry that you and that, that eye opening that you had at the uh, the, the uh, conference in 2015 it sounds a little bit similar to my experience with lifestyle medicine mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I haven't gone to many allopathic American College of Physicians meetings since since I got into lifestyle medicine as well not because there's nothing of substance there but it's just not it's not going after the, the root cause. It's, it's not as fundamental, it's not as impactful. It's more window dressing kind of interventions of, of tapering this, this drug or that drug for very small benefits. So I, like you, am attracted to the root cause of things. And your book is uh, called, titled The Root Cause, it's, it, but it's an understatement because the, right, the root cause, it, it, it's, the airway is so, so fundamental. So one of the things I would love to hear from you is Um, the importance of the airway and, and how does this impact our health? Why should we care about our airway?
1: Yeah, great, great, great question. So, you know, in my, in my, uh, what I found, and I think the research now supports this is, you know, we're living in a society today where people are pretty sick and, you know, good for us because we've developed so many life-saving, you know, procedures. We've the pharmacology wor- world has basically taken over as the main way to treat patients, I mean, with drugs. And so we're learning of better ways to keep people alive. But I think people are finally starting to demand a little bit more than just surviving. I think people wanna thrive. And I think that when it comes to health, people are now questioning that even more now today than they were you know, a couple of years ago when COVID hit. I think everybody looked at themselves and go, oh my gosh, am I, am I, um, am I healthy enough? Uh, Am I healthy enough? And what can I do to get more healthy? And I think COVID was a wake-up call for everybody that health matters. And um, as terrible as it was, as uh, the the pandemic, I mean, a lot of people, uh, the silver lining is a lot of people are now questioning their health. And so, you know, instead of approaches like, like you were just talking about of, you know, pharmacology, life-saving procedures. Well, now we need to hit the root cause. And for me, the root cause, you know, always lies in, you know, one thing. We just keep asking questions. We ask why, and that's the easiest thing we can do is we ask why. If a patient comes in with symptoms well, we want to find out why, when, when we find out why to that, we ask why again, when we find out why to that, we ask why to that. And if you just continue to ask why you will eventually get, get to the root cause of the problem. And so for airway, airway is the way that we breathe. Airway is the way that we exchange, you know, the most, um, necessary human resource, you know, on earth for our bodies that keep us healthy. Right. And that's oxygen. And we can get even more into that because really this isn't an oxygen problem. This is a carbon dioxide problem, as you know, um, cause oxygen is so prevalent in the, in, in the air, in the atmosphere and carbon dioxide is very precious, um, and is not so prevalent. So this is um, this is, uh, this is something we can get more into, but the airway is just extremely important because what we find is when the airway becomes compromised and there's so many people out there that are living that when they go to sleep at nighttime, their airway actually collapses to the point where they can't breathe. They're literally suffocating. And 90% of patients that have this problem don't even know about it. And that's a health system failure. That's a failure by the physicians. That's a failure by the dentist. That's a failure by us being able to recognize these things. So I know you and I are going to talk a lot about how do we recognize these things, but let's just say this, the airway, if there's something wrong with the airway, you are going to be led to chronic disease. You're going to be led to dysfunction. And so we need to learn how to breathe better. We need to learn to look for what what healthy breathing looks like versus non-healthy breathing looks like. So in my opinion, the airway is connected to literally everything. The airway is connected to cardiovascular disease, the airway is connected to metabolic disorders, the airway is connected to diabetes, the, the airway is connected to, you know, whether or not you feel well enough to wake up in the morning and create, you know, positivity, like mental health, right, like cognitive uh, stuff, behavioral health, all these things that lifestyle medicine preaches, stress management, things like that, the airway can control all of this and contribute to its, you know, its health through, through nervous system. Um, right. We, we, we now know that the nervous system is what, what kind of keeps us balanced and what keeps us healthy and what alerts the brain that when we need help versus when we need to go to sleep versus, you know, when there's an attack versus when we need to relax, there's all these things that can be, uh, you know, off if our airways are compromised. And so that's sort of, um, you know, the introduction into the airway world is it is the, it seems to be the root cause for most people's uh, sickness throughout uh, the world today.
0: One of the powerful things in your book, the root cause is uh, the anecdotes. So you tell a lot of, uh, clinical anecdotes of, of people coming to you with all sorts of pro- problems that aren't even anywhere close to the airway. Mm-hmm. And you tell this story about how you fix the airway and all these other problems get better. And so, and, and you have this sort of cascading effect from the airway to the, the posture to so on and so on, leading to pain syndromes, leading to sleep disturbance, leading to inflammation, leading to uh, other, you know, vascular disease. So, but um, maybe you could give us a flavor for that. And and I would love to get what I call a reverse checklist, which is where um, one, you check one box, fix the airway, and all these things have the potential
1: of getting better. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. My book is I, I saw so much success here in my clinic that was I mean I'm, I just want to tell these patients stories that's all I wanted to do and it starts with my wife's story right that's chapter one in the book is like how we fix my wife and all these things that were you know underlying that we never even knew were issues We didn't know how to fix them um, until we fixed her airway and and we can go into that but you know basically all these patients that come like let's let's be honest we're 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 uh, we're, uh, a result driven, you know, dopamine addicts in in the world today, right? So symptoms is what brings people into your office and what brings people into my office. Our patients show up with chief complaint of, I'm snoring so loudly, my wife won't even let me sleep in bed with her anymore. My patients show up with, I have headaches so bad that I can't even get through a day of work without having to excuse myself for an hour and go into dark room. My patients show up with, you know, hey, my jaw hurts so bad that I can't even eat a sandwich anymore. My patients show up with symptoms, right? Just like your patients do. And so we had, we're, 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 it's a consumer driven society that if we don't have problems, we don't really seek solutions for it. So we have to be able to understand how these symptoms relate back to the airway and how, how these um, signs that we can recognize um, are related to the core. The root, you know, the origins of these things. So I'll give you a, a specific example. You have a patient that comes in, you know, with right knee pain, um, and some physicians go right to the right knee and they say, you know, what do we need to do? Oh man, look, these bones have been rubbing together for a long time. We need to do a knee replacement. Well, nobody ever, nobody ever found out that the actual root cause of that knee pain. Was the fact that they had a that they that one of their shoes was off or they had a rock in their shoe, right? So that's what the body does. The body's always taking inventory and it's always gonna compensate away from where the injury is actually rooted, and it's gonna create a whole host of of problems elsewhere in the body, right? That's why for me, patients come in with jaw joint issues. I have to figure out is that a jaw joint issue? Or is that a foot problem? Is that a back problem? Because the TMJ is sort of the barometer. So we don't want to get into this habit where we're just chasing things around the body. We're just chasing pain. Um, We don't want to chase pain. We want to get to the origin of the problem. So that's what we focus on here is we take a thorough medical history. We take a thorough behavioral history, try and understand how the patient got into the situation. And we don't go right to the source of the problem where the patient says, it hurts right here okay, we're going to check that out. But, you know, part of our checklist is we need to check out everything to see what's going on because what actually caused that. And what we find more times than not is it is the opposite side of the pain is where the actual root cause is oriented. And that's where it's come from, which has caused all these issues. So if you have a patient that has right knee pain, sometimes you just got to take the rock out of their left shoe. Right, and let them be balanced again, and that's sort of just a small, small, tiny little, you know, analogy anecdote from you know what we see in our clinic is like go take the rock out of the shoe and watch as that knee recovers and gets better. Um, So we we see things like that all the time, you know, in our office. Uh, So I think uh, there's so many different stories. What I try to do with the book is try and try to create different patients who have different stories, who um, you know, from airway to pain. And I wanted, what my goal is, is to share this book and have people go, oh my gosh, chapter three, that's my mom. Oh my gosh, chapter seven, that's my best friend. Oh my gosh, chapter 11, that's me. I'm, I'm this person. And I want my patients to relate to the patients that I've decided uh, their case studies were important enough to share. And so when you can find somebody who's been in your shoes and has the same symptoms as you and is now living their absolute best quality of life because they saw the most important provider ever that just instead of giving them medications and short-term band-aid fixes, they actually got to the root of the problem and solved it. Man, we're going to be able to treat so many more patients. We're going to be able to help so many more. And that's the goal here. I'm trying to create people, more people like me around the, you know, around the world so that I can work, they can set up local networks um, like you and I have set up here in Delaware. Um, So yeah, that's the goal.
0: So and, and the, it comes across in your book that, that you've got this fire in your belly because you have this, this wisdom to impart on people. And it's so rampant. It's so common that people have these airway problems. You mentioned earlier, that 90% of people with problems with their airway aren't, aren't aware of it. Um, can you go into that research a little bit as is, is that, that's been well established through sleep studies or how, how do we know that?
1: Yeah, so uh, basically, we we know that given the studies that have been um, put put out there, I mean, and this is these are studies for the last ten, just the last ten years, right? So I mean, like you talk to most physicians, they want to see something that has that is a you know level one evidence that is um, you know uh, have have a meta analysis or a a systematic review, but you know the, the fact of the matter is, is all level one evidence started with level six case reports, right? And then that turns into a case series, like what I'm working on with my one of my cardiologists right now. So all the all this information is here's what we find. When we take a when we take a, a group of the population and we don't sort them based off of symptoms at all, we just take a group of of patients that walk into primary care physician clinics and we just take them and we and we don't put them into different groups. We don't separate them. We find that when we sleep test all of them. We find that the prev the, the prevalence of sleep disorder breathing comes somewhere between 40 to 50%. Now that's pretty terrible, right? And we know that only a very, very small percentage, under 10% of those patients, actually knew that they had a sleep problem, knew that they had an airway problem. So this is just these research, and, and the Mayo Clinic has done a fantastic job, by the way. I mean, the Mayo Clinic is really advocating for airway health now, which is awesome. I mean, You saw that that video that that was produced um, by Dr. Krakow and his team, right? And basically, what the underlying uh, issues were is, you know, physicians are not identifying; they don't know when their patient needs a sleep study, right? So this is just research that's been given to the general population. I mean, I think it's way worse than what they're even reporting now, because I don't think we can even. I mean, you know that all the patients that go, just because you don't have a diagnosis of sleep apnea doesn't mean you don't need help. So let's talk about that for one second. We have patients that walk in here and they and we do a sleep test on them. And they might have jaw pain, right? But I do a comprehensive exam and figure out, hey, they have a small airway. It looks like they have a very collapsible airway and we've been able to bring in equipment and technology. And basically um, by doing a comprehensive comprehensive exam, we can figure out whether or not we think that they need a sleep study. And, and they're like, why do you want a sleep study? I'm like, just do me a favor and you know take a sleep study. I think it would be beneficial, right? they come back and maybe they only stop breathing 4.7 times you know per hour every hour for 10 seconds well guess what that's that's not positive for obstructive sleep apnea right so that patient doesn't get help right, right?
0: they're that under pa- the threshold so they they don't they don't get diagnosed with sleep apnea unless your your
1: um, respiratory disturbance index is uh, is over 5 right it, you you well no, not even that your respiratory disturbance index t- typically has to be over t- uh, fifteen to get recognized oh. and this is with most of the pulmonologists that are out there There's now five, some of five the fifteen is mild right mild sleep apnea is that it yeah so AHI is really what we're talking about is the apnea hypopnea index so just to kind of clarify that real quick the apnea hypopnea index is how many times per hour does someone stop breathing for more than ten seconds. The RDI is how many how many times does someone have a respiratory event that not isn't necessarily ten seconds um, that actually causes them to be woken up or to come into lighter sleep. So the AHI and RDI are different. Unfortunately, um, the I think our uh, physician community uses AHI as the gold standard, and I think that was um, uh, sort of uh, uh, prominently put to the the, t- the top of the the, the checklist um, by the insurance companies, which kind of dictated that. But really, yeah, the RDI is what we should be looking at. But the AHI is sort of the, the, gold, um, the gold standard of care. So if you don't test positive for more than five, if you don't suffocate more than five times an hour, technically, the medical world will tell you that you don't have a problem and that you need to wait until you're more sick to to get help, but we see this all the time. So let me tell you what we did locally with our, with our dental offices, because I think it's really empowering. What we did is we said to dentists, hey, dentist, you, you guys, you providers are the ones that see your patients every six months, which is more than some physicians can say, right? How about you guys as the gatekeeper of the mouth, as the, as the provider that has the most unique opportunity to look into someone's airway directly, And call out issues that they can see, and we can talk about those. How about you guys start implementing um, sleep health and airway health questionnaires as part of your intake process? So what we've done locally is we've started working with dental offices to give them basically what's called a sleep health questionnaire, which is now built into the patient intake process, which is built into the medical history that dentists should be taking when when they see a patient on every single visit. And here's how it goes. First of all, we ask five questions. Number one, have you ever been told that you snore or have sleep apnea? Notice, Dave, we don't say, do you snore? Because if I ask you if you snore, you know what you're going to say? You're either no. going to say no, or ah, my, wife's, my wife says said something, but I don't think, I don't, I don't think she really knows. Right. right. So if we say, have you been told that you snore? We, we get more truth out of that. Yeah, my wife says that, whatever. Or yeah, I do. Is that, is that a problem? Like people don't realize that snoring is a problem. And quick little side note, right? Snoring causes atherosclerosis, right? In our, in our carotid arteries. We know that. Benign of obstructive sleep apnea, um, you know, uh, uh, not in, in the presence of benign snoring, which means there's, there's no sleep apnea. We know that snoring causes plaque to build up in our arteries. That's a problem, right? Our endothelial linings are important. We need to keep those open. We need to keep the blood flow. We need to keep the oxygen doing what, what it's supposed to. Um, so that's just a quick one-off. We ask people, have you been told that you snore, right? Does anyone in your family suffer from sleep apnea? This is a big one. A lot of people that have airway issues, a lot of people that have you know, snoring issues, a lot of people that have suffocation issues, their mom and dad also might have them. Their brother and sister might have them. So it's funny when you talk with someone, they're like, yeah, you know, my dad was a big snorer. He, he, you know, he died of a heart attack when he was in his 60s. Oh, yeah, my mom snored, you know, but she's got, you know, she's got diabetes. Oh, my sister got one of those CPAP things. Like, yeah, you might you might be a little bit predisposed, not that it's all about genetics because we know that we can influence genetics nowadays with epigenetics, environmental influences, early intervention, which we do here at our office. But you know, uh, most of the time if your family members are suffering with this thing, you need to take a deep long look at yourself as well, right? Have you been told that you snore? Number two is, does anyone in your family suffer from sleep apnea? Number three, do you ever get headaches or have sore teeth or sore jaws? it's not normal to have headaches. It's not normal to have sore jaws when you wake up in the morning. It's not normal to have sore teeth. You know, that that means your nervous system is, is, is unbalanced. It's dysfunctional. You know, there's something going on that's creating that. You know, that's not natural to have those things. You know, do you take medication, supplements, or over-the-counter substances as sleep aids or for headache relief? You wouldn't believe how many people take Ambien. You wouldn't believe how many people take, you know, NyQuil on a daily basis. You wouldn't believe how many people take Lunesta. I mean, do you know how many how many number of uh, prescriptions are, are are given per year, uh, Ambien? I mean, it's ridiculous. Millions. Millions. Like literally millions of prescriptions are being written by physicians on a daily basis yeah. for Ambien, and that's in the absence of a sleep study, right? Yeah, I mean, just
0: like. Doc, I'm having trouble sleeping, knee jerk response. Here's, here's a prescription for Ambien, right? And, and it's a real problem because these drugs have major side effects and Ambien's been
1: linked to higher mortality rates, higher death rates, right? You got it. You got it, yeah. And that's something that they studied in that, in that Mayo Clinic um, you know, research study that they did in 2015. And they found that most, most people show up to the, to, the, to the physicians and they say, Doc, I cannot sleep at nighttime. I'm either being woken up too much or I can't get to sleep. And so really what we learned with that study is, is that 92% of people who can't fall asleep or stay asleep and and drug therapy is beginning to fail, 92% of them actually have an underlying disorder of obstructive sleep apnea. And that's meaning they stop breathing more than five times an hour. That's not even the people that stop breathing three times an hour or four times an hour or two times an hour, which in my opinion is not normal right? Why should we stop breathing? Why should we stop breathing when we sleep? Like, let's talk about what health looks like instead of just what your insurance company wants to talk about. So yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, we have these addictive substances that have all these side effects that are being just commonly prescribed and that's a big problem, right? And then, you know, uh, some of the other questions that we ask is, you know, is it easy for you to fall asleep it, do you wake up, you know, throughout your night's sleep? Because you wouldn't believe how many people go, oh, yeah, I wake up three times a, a night, but just to use the bathroom, right? And it's like, well, that's a problem. Uh, and we can talk about that, you know, and that's a hormone problem um, that uh, people that wake up to, to use the bathroom at nighttime, they're clearly in um, a, a lower, you know, uh, less deep um, stage of sleep because we're, we're in deep sleep you know, our ADH, our ADH hormone is actually being processed and secreted as opposed to our ANP hormone, which actually causes the bladder to fill up. So that's a whole nother thing, right? Do you, um, do, you, um, do you have any problems getting to sleep? Do you ever wake up throughout the night? And then do you feel rested when you wake up in the morning? And with those questions, we are able to identify so many patients. And then that doesn't even include you know, are you in the presence of chronic disease? Because as you know, Dave, in your clinic and your practices, like there's a lot of people that have chronic disease these days, right? And so if you have chronic disease, you need to be checked out for an airway problem. If you have chronic disease, you need to be checked out for a sleep problem. If you have chronic disease, you probably need some nutrition counseling, right? And so these sort of um, screening tools that we've used with these five questions have been huge in our practices of of our dental practices that have adopted these things. And we are screening the heck out of these patients. And what we're finding locally, and I hope to publish this at some point, is about 50% of patients that walk through the door are high risk for obstructive sleep apnea. Like That's crazy. Mm.
0: It's rampant. And one of the things that's fascinating in this field, it's a little bit like psychiatry or, or mental health, is that Patients don't believe they have the problem, so mm-hmm. you have to argue with them that yeah. the, 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 the problem is their airway, right?
1: I, yeah, I think that's a, good, that's a great point. I mean, listen, if all patients were as open-minded as us, we would be having great conversations every day, and you and I would, would, would be living our dream life, right? You know, the, the, the patient comes to you for advice. They tell you what's going on. You tell them what you're curious about. You tell them the next steps. They listen to you, Right and they start behaving the way that you're, you're recommending that baby be, be, behave, that would be fantastic. That's, that's, that's called fantasy world, right? That's um, So that's not possible. So yeah, sometimes you have to meet the patient with where they're at. You know, we get a lot of patients that come in and they just want to, they just want to open their mouth um, enough to eat a burger, right? Great. Well, I'm going to start treating their airway unbeknownst to them. I'm going to be actually giving them things to do. That's actually going to be, you know, helping out with their, with their airway problem. Uh, Another patient comes in and they just want to get back into bed and they want to get rid of the snoring. Yeah, we're going to help them with their snoring, right? That's why we ask patients at our uh, practice, why are you here? What is your victory? Because we don't want to lose sight of what their victory is. And while we're helping them achieve their victory, we know deep down what's really going on and whether or not they're receptive to understanding that. We're going to get them to buy in because we're going to get them to understand that their victory is achievable and here's the steps that you need to take to get there. And so that seems to motivate people. So yeah, if everybody was open-minded and, and would take our advice, I think we'd have a lot healthier of a population, but that's just not the case. And I think the case right now is is we have to we have to understand signs and symptoms and, and relate that to the patient and tell them how they can get rid of these, their, their, their chief complaints.
0: Right. And on that note, so I've been taking notes as, as you're speaking and, and I'm trying to build out this reverse checklist. Or in other words, this, this list of things that if you have one of these things going on, that's a sign that you likely have sleep disordered breathing, right? And yep. so what I've got so far uh, is snoring. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so these are also the things that have the potential of getting better if, if we fix the underlying problem, if we fix the root cause and, and if we open the airway. So snoring, headaches, really pain of all types. And there's been some research to suggest that fibromyalgia, for example, is a disease of largely of sleep disturbance. Mm-hmm. Um, mu- certainly musculoskeletal pain, um, and, and including knees, hips, or other joints, or generalized pain syndromes, jaw pain, certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's the, <clears throat> the mental health stuff, anxiety, depression. If you're not sleeping every night, uh, if you're not breathing properly, Um, then you, you're potentially stressing out your, your, you know, it's harder to deal with stress. Uh, Then there's things like um, obesity, uh, right? There's a very strong link between sleep disordered breathing and obesity and weight gain. Um, There's hormonal explanations for that. There's, there's a behavioral, um, there's mental health explanations for that. And then, and then there's the things like, um, well, insomnia, a lot of people think, I just have a trouble going to sleep. I don't have a problem with my airway. It turns out a lot of insomnia is really a problem with the airway, uh, including when people have to get up to go to the bathroom at night. So that's what we call nocturia or nighttime urination. Mm-hmm. Again, um, we'll share a link to that video from the Mayo Clinic, but showing awesome. some of that research, how, powerful, uh, how powerfully associated is that nighttime urination with sleep disordered breathing. It has to do with antidiuretic. Hormone and uh, it's fascinating biochemistry there. Mm-hmm. And then we have um, even dementia. I mean, there's a strong body of evidence that uh, maintaining long-term cognitive function uh, is linked with getting a good night's sleep every night. Much higher rates of dementia among people who sleep less than five hours a night versus those who sleep uh, eight, eight hours a night. <clears throat> and then on top of that list, if that's not enough, almost every other chronic disease Right, so yeah, diabetes, hypertension. I guess there's a link with all these things and quality yeah. sleep. Is that is that all
1: correct? I I agree, and there's and there's scientific system systematic processes that we can talk about for all these things. But I wanted to hit on one thing because I see this uh, so common, you know, in our practices, and I'm sure you do too. You know, how many patients do you talk to on a daily basis, or do do the you know the physicians that are working in your practice talk to you on a daily basis? That are struggling with anxiety and depression. Yeah. I mean, it's everywhere, everywhere. It's it's everywhere. It's every, everywhere. Right. And so, you know, here's one thing that we can do that can, that can, you know, significantly reduce, you know, the amount of people that are walking around dysfunctionally from a cognitive perspective. Right. And here's what, here's the science, you know, part of the science behind it. We talk about sleep staging, right? We talk about light sleep versus deep sleep. People don't realize that all the health benefits come when you get to stage three sleep, which is delta wave sleep. And in stage three sleep, our body and our brains go through the most incredible cleaning and rejuvenating processes known to man, right? Here's one of my favorite quotes in the whole entire world. Sleep is mother nature's best chance at immortality. How powerful is that? Sleep is mother nature's best chance at immortality, which is amazing, right? So what happens when we sleep, right? What are the physiologic science behind um, these processes that happen? Well, number one, if we're talking about anxiety and depression, you know, we talk about you know, the ability for the glymphatic system to clean the brain at nighttime. That only happens in deep delta wave sleep. Deep phase three delta wave sleep is where we go through a process called washout. That's what the glial cells, that's what the lymphatic um, uh, system, and basically what happens is our cerebral spinal fluid, our CSF, actually cleans out all the waste product that was actually a, that had been accumulated throughout the day. So as you and I are sitting here talking and we're thinking, you know, we're creating waste product in our brain. We're we're, we're creating, um, you know, this hormone byproduct, the this runoff of. Uh, congestion in our brain. And we need to be clear and we need to have that cleaned every single night. If we want to take what we discussed today, you know, and and transfer that from, you know, the hippocampus, right? Which is the internal part of the brain. And we want to put that into our long-term data filing system so that we can retrieve it at any time. That's the long-term, that's long-term memory, right? Not just short-term memory. And so in order to do that, we have to get into this deep sleep. So when we get into this deep sleep, We actually clean our brains out. And so we wake up with our hormone levels being much more balanced. And so when our hormone levels are not balanced, we don't clean our brain out. We find that people go down this path of anxiety, depression, and they just blame everything on on stress in their life. Well, I'm here to tell you, everybody has stress. Some people more than others, but there are way too many young kids out there today. There are way too many people living normal lifestyles that are suffering with these terrible chronic cognitive, um, issues, um, like anxiety and depression, and they're on all these medications, right? They're, they're, on, they're trying to mess with their serotonin levels. They're trying to mess with, you know, acetylcholine release. They're trying to met, uh, uh, mess with, you know, dopamine, uh, release. They're trying to mess with their brain chemistry. Well, the best organic way to do this is to sleep really well, get into deep sleep and remove any obstacle that could be preventing you from getting into that deep sleep. So that's where we start. This is, this is free stuff. This is stuff that you can do naturally, right? It's like the decisions that you make on a daily basis. You wake up, if you go to McDonald's every morning for your bacon, egg, and cheese, you know, hash brown um, uh, combo meal, and with a, with a soda, with a Pepsi at eight, eight o'clock in the morning, that's a choice, right? If we want to eliminate chronic disease, if we want to make people healthier, we want to get rid of some of these things. And like we can do very, we can behaviorally modify the way that people. Um, you know, live their life and and sleep being one of them. Okay,
0: so powerful, powerful stuff. There's a lot, a lot of opportunity. By the way, you listed four, you have a question, five question questionnaire. I think we got through four of them. Maybe I missed the fifth one. What's the fifth question on your questionnaire?
1: Um, Well,
0: it's a
1: a trio of questions. Oh, okay, got it. Is it easy
0: to fall asleep? Is it easy
1: for you to fall asleep? Do you ever wake up while you're sleeping? And do you feel rested in the morning when you wake up?
0: All right. We did get that. then. Perfect. Um, wow. So we've got this justification, um, for, um, for addressing the, the root cause. Uh, we've got this long list of conditions that, um, people are millions of people are suffering from and being in many cases treated, not, not treating the underlying cause millions of people with depression, uh, taking a pill on serotonin, millions of people, uh, with insomnia, taking a pill um, with, with um, like Ambien, you know, so a sedative, an addictive drug. Mm-hmm. Uh, millions of people with pain syndromes taking opioid medicines when, or expensive pre, uh, uh, gabapentin, pregabalin, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when really treating the underlying cause is not only going to be lower cost more
1: directly to the point, but
0: potentially fix a whole lot of other problems as well.
1: Uh, so hey, hey Dave, real quick. Yeah. I, I would love to get to this if we can. Can we talk about maybe, you know, some maybe that 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 population of people that are out there that have not yet been diagnosed with chronic disease and really they just have symptoms? Yeah. Can, we, can we talk a little bit about symptoms? Definitely. Let's hear it. Okay. So some of the things that we see quite routinely, and now this is like from you know six years of asking our, our, our patients and our dental practices just some easy things. And here's what we found: a lot of people snore, and a lot of people don't know that 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 snoring is not normal and that it's extremely unhealthy. If if you don't know that you snore and your spouse has never told you that you snore, there's an easy way to find out. Everybody carries around smartphones these days. Download what's called Snore Lab. Snore Lab it's a free download and you can actually tape yourself sleeping and you will get snore scores and you can actually go back into those snore scores and actually go go into any part of your of your sleep and hear yourself snoring so there's no excuses anymore I don't I hate hearing I don't know if I snore yeah maybe go record yourself Snore Lab is a free app that you can do on your phone you put it on you put it on your nightstand and just go listen to yourself. If you're snoring more than two times per week, we know there's going to be, there, we know there, that's a problem. We know that's causing plaque in your arteries. We know that's probably causing changes in the gray matter of your brain. We know there is from MRI um, studies that have come out, you know, in the last two years, we know that snoring in the absence of obstructive sleep apnea causes the brain to change and behave differently. Okay. So that's number one. Find out if you snore, that could be a huge one. Um, number two is, you know, how do you feel when you wake up in the morning? I hear on a daily basis, my patients say, I have dry mouth when I wake up in the morning. That's not normal, right? That, that usually is a huge sign that you're breathing through your mouth at nighttime. And we can get into a whole host of why breathing through your mouth is, is the most unhealthy, um, dysfunctional way to breathe possible. And really as a side note, you're real, our bodies are only afforded the ability to breathe through our mouth for about two hours a day. Anything over two hours uh, becomes extremely um, extremely unproductive to our bodies. It creates uh, adrenal sort of fatigue. It cr- creates sympathetic upregulation of the nervous system. And so um, dry mouth is one of those main ones where if your lips are touching at nighttime and you're breathing through your, through your nose, which is the organ that you should breathe through because it gives you warm, moist, filtered oxygen, right? We should not be waking up with dry mouth. And that could, and there's, I hear people that have medications that side effects are dry mouth. But again, let's get back to the root cause of that, right? So dry mouth in one, uh, something you wake up with. Number two is uh, bad breath. People wake up with bad breath. Well, what do you think happens at nighttime if you're breathing through your mouth? You know, you, you open yourself up to drier environments, you lower the pH, you get bacteria into your mouth. You know, there's this whole thing about you eat seven spiders, you know, per per year when you're sleeping. Well, there's bacteria in the air, right? And so if we're not if we're not filtering it through our filter, then we're going to get that in our mouth, and and that mouth uh, problem is going to lead to dental problems, and we can get that into that in just a second. But dry mouth, bad breath, congestion, just upper airway congestion, nasal congestion. I can't tell you how many patients of mine go, oh my gosh, it takes me an hour. get to get sort of clear again and when i wake up in the in the morning it takes me an hour to kind of get moving get my nose working again you know feel like the dry scratchy throat the dry mouth is gone that's not normal um so that's 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 the whole mouth breathing versus nasal breathing component of sleep um uh dental problems we see people that breathe through their mouth at nighttime and not through their nose they're more susceptible to bleeding gums do you ever go into your dentist and the dentist goes hey you know, your gums are bleeding again. Every time I touch them, there's inflammation coming out of your gums. Um, you know, hey, I think you're, you're, you're prone to having gingivitis, right? Where do you think gingivitis comes from? Uh, you know, in the presence of good oral hygiene, which is what most patients that go to the dentist on a routine basis have, right? Good oral hygiene, meaning you brush your teeth and you clean them properly. Well, that's not a bacterial problem. That could be a dysfunctional breathing problem. So we see a lot of patients that have dental problems, As you know, that being the, the root cause of that being the way that they breathe at nighttime when they're, when they're sleeping Um, audible breathing. Do you ever have that friend where you're sitting around, it's a quiet room and you can literally hear him breathing and he's sort of either aware of it. And if he's aware of it, he's self-conscious of it, but it's that patient that breathes with their chest, they're breathing with their mouth. You can actually hear them breathing when you're in a silent room, healthy breathing, functional breathing is uh, the absence of sound breathing should be so passive you can 't even hear it right Breathing should be go through the nose and go into the into the diaphragm, go into the belly so these are some things that we see with patients um, that have these these problems um, uh, what else um, uh, yeah, you can uh, allergies um, you know things like that al- al- people just think that they have allergies like let 's figure out if, if you have allergies because you know, you're not breathing correctly. Um, And then I'd say, finally, um, learn about your nose, learn about that really important organ that sits in the middle of your face that helps, uh, you know, filter everything. And so we see that there's people that have internal nose problems where maybe their septums are deviated. They have these big tissues that have grown in their nose Um, over the course of many years in response to inflammation and things like that, environmental factors, dairy, right, gluten, sugar, all these nutritional choices that they make. But we also have patients that suffer from um, nasal valve collapse, where the way you figure out if you have nasal valve collapse is you take your, your hands, this is what's called Cottle's maneuver, Dr. Cottle taught us this, you take your fingers, you put them on your cheeks next to your nose, and you just literally pull apart. And if you can breathe in better air by pulling that apart, that's called coddles maneuver. That's a very simple way to figure out whether or not your nose is working um, effectively. So, you know, these are just symptoms, right? Symptoms that in the absence of diagnoses of chronic disease, these are symptoms that will eventually lead to pathology and will eventually lead to uh, them seeking the help of a, of a physician who might then put them on drugs. Right, So I like to kind of call those out because we like to be very preventative and very educational in uh, you know, helping people not become the sick people that need immediate help. That's a terrific
0: list. So we've got a list of things uh, that people can do to diagnose their own symptoms. Thanks for running through that. Um, so we wanna to get to the checklist, but but, and there's so much lead up to this because it's such an important topic. Could you explain for us, Ryan, why uh, it is so rampant, so common for people to have a a small airway?
1: Yeah, so that's a very loaded question, okay? So I'll be as streamlined as possible. I think here's, here's, here's the long and short of it. We find that people's airways are becoming more obstructed now than it were before for two main reasons. One, it's what we've done to ourselves. We have We've made ourselves, we've we've come up with quick solutions for our nutrition. We have softened our foods. We have, you know, created pouches for our kids. We have have processed food that actually leads to, you know, less use of our jaws. And so um, with less use of our jaws, guess what doesn't grow as big? our jaws and so with less muscular use of our jaws and this all started like in the industrial revolution when things had to become processed and we had to start storing food for long periods of time, right? This is when mothers also came back into the workforce and stopped breastfeeding their children. So um, these airways we've we've found start when the kids are developing, right? From the time of, of conception, when that baby is conceived all the way up until they stop growing at the age of like 13, 14 years old we are now seeing, we are putting this research together where people's skulls are literally getting smaller. Their jaws are getting smaller. Their airways are actually getting smaller. So this is a size thing, right? So if people's airways are actually becoming less big, we can see this because nowadays it's normal, 90% of our, of our, of our youth today have crooked teeth. You know why teeth come in crooked? Because there's not enough room for them. You know why there's not enough room for them? Because the jaws are smaller, right? We have the same teeth that we had, you know, uh, a thousand years ago. Uh, we, w- back in the day, prehistoric skulls, you can dig up skulls to this day. And, and uh, UPenn has a great collection of skulls that we've looked at. Um, you know, uh, we them dating back 600, 700 years of skulls. And what we found is that 300 years ago, skulls were, were normally all around the same size. And when you measure the skulls, we see that all 32 teeth came into their mouth, like Tell me, out of all your friends and your family members, how many of them have all 32 teeth that actually came in straight? The answer is like, not many, right? The answer is most of our kids, we pull the third molars now. And some kids have even, we've even sort of, um, we've even decided to take more teeth out of their head so things will fit. So our jaws are growing smaller. Uh, Our airways are growing smaller because the airway is that tube that sits behind the jaws. From the tip of the nose all the way to the bottom of the throat so we see this craniofacial developmental thing that we've now studied for 500 years and we see people's faces people's skulls people's airways are becoming smaller so that's that's sort of the core of it all i know how impressed you were with that poster that we have in, in the front of our uh, of our office that says you know chronic disease um, uh, poor airway what's the root cause of a poor airway Underdevelopment of the jaws and you know, lack of development of the face and lack of development of the airway, right? So that's number one. And I think number two, you know, we've, um, we've introduced so many environmental factors, we've, we've, we've introduced so many things that are so inflammatory to, you know, ourselves, whether it's pollution, you know, whether it's um, the air quality that we have today, you know, with all the emissions, and, you know, we can go into all of that. And it's not just vehicles, there's, there's uh, animals that are causing this stuff, right? Um, uh, and, and we've just introduced so much inf- inflammation to ourselves, you know, through going to McDonald's, through going to Starbucks, through, you know, processing food and, and all the things that that comes with, that, you know, our airways are not only smaller, but they're actually more inflamed. People are not breathing through their noses like they used to, right? People are breathing through their mouth because it's the easiest way To breathe, it's the short. It's the shortcut to breathing. Um, But that, with that being said, we're not we're not moistening, we're not filtering, we're not warming air as it comes in. So I think we've kind of done it to ourselves. You know, this airway thing seems to be the root cause of everybody's issues because our airways are smaller. Number one, and number two, we make lifestyle choices that are very bad for our already small airways. um, That make them even more collapsible. That make them even more inflamed, and that make them even more um, congested with uh, tissues that can block airflow. Okay, so
0: this is a rampant, rampant problem. It is almost universal. If you know somebody who's had their wisdom teeth pulled, then you know someone who has a, a, a jaw and a skull that's smaller than it should be and, a, and an airway that's smaller than it should be. Um, if you know someone with this long list of conditions, then you know someone who probably has an airway problem. So we, we've, we've made a very strong argument that almost everybody on the planet needs the services of Dr. Ryan Robinson or one of his rare colleagues out there who really are knowledgeable about airway medicine. So let's jump to the now what do we do about it?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, great question. So I think number one is you have to take some of the information that we gave out today and look into, uh, into your life and some of the behavioral things that you can do. You know, some of these easy things that you can just um, yeah, quickly today, like today, the day that you're listening to this, you can actually start doing things and making choices that can at least improve it. Um, the next thing you need to do is find a, a, a good provider, you know, someone like you who can then get the patient to me or someone like me who can then get the patient to you and your team. Like, you know, we've, we've created this collaborative network here in Delaware, but we, we're, we're a little small state, right? And we're, we're treating Newcastle County here. Um, we're actually the, the, I I heard recently that we're actually the smallest state, um, of population now, I think in the, in the country, um, from, from an overall numbers perspective, but you need to find people. So the way that I like to tell people to find um, people is, you know, here's the only organizations that I really know about, right? American Academy of Physi uh, AAPMD is what it's called American Academy of physio, physiologic medicine and dentistry. That's a great place to find a provider who has some sort of education. Right, that's that would be number one. The second one is the American Academy of Craniofacial Dental Sleep Medicine. That would be number two. And now I'm going to throw into my list the American College of Lifestyle Medicine because you know people like you are starting to collaborate more with people like me. And so whether or not a patient sees you or a patient sees me, we sort of cross um, refer to each other because a lot of my patients have really bad lifestyle uh, choices. A lot of my patients need nutrition counseling. A lot of my patients need to be under the care of a physician who, who practices lifestyle medicine. So that's why I refer, you know, I mean, most of my patients that walk in, we refer to Dr. Robson now, <laughs> you know, one of the, the great doctors in your practice. Um, now, not everybody can see her, of course, because she's really busy and, you know, she's only one person. But, you know, we refer everybody over to your practice for, um, you know, uh, routine care, just like you refer a ton of your patients over here to be checked to see if they have an airway problem. Right, or to fix their, their craniofacial pain. So I would say those three industries: AAPMD, you know, AACDSM, and ACLM. Those those organizations are the closest thing that we have to you know getting consumers, getting patients to um, find somebody who will do this comprehensive exam. And we need to be putting more pressure on our on our dentists uh, to learn more about this. We need to be putting more pressure on our on our PCPs to learn more about this. So um, the answer is not a good one at this point, Dave. There's not too many places that people can go. They can go on my website and um, you know, find some of our ambassadors. They can go on to uh, the website called the Breathe Institute, which is out of Los Angeles. One of my great colleagues out there, Dr. Zaghi, who's an MD um, and he's an ENT. He has a whole, whole list of ambassadors. So it's tough, um, but those, those are some great starts. Find someone who can do a comprehensive evaluation to figure out if you need a home sleep test, to figure out if you have an airway problem, to figure out some easy things that you can do to start making positive changes in your life and getting your health back, you know, in in your control and not in the control of, um, you know, people who don't have your best interest at hand. So
0: well said. Thanks for those references. And um, we definitely want to get your website. So it's painandsleepcenter.com is that right
1: you got it pain
0: and
1: and on that note we have a great website but we also have great social media outlets as well we're on facebook we're on instagram we're on linkedin i have worked pretty hard on my youtube page as well just to get some of this information out there a lot of the I, and i i've turned into an educator in the last two years where i took all the success that i've had in my clinic and i tried to share it with other people to make them at least aware of what we're doing and aware of how to uh, screen more patients and aware of their sort of um, their responsibility in this. Um, So you on on my YouTube page underneath the um, folder called webinars, there's a whole bunch of free educational courses that anybody can go on and learn about this stuff today. So YouTube page pain and sleep therapy center of Delaware Valley. Um, And you can get lost in that in that uh, in that uh, page there and find just a wealth of information. Oh my gosh, Pain
0: and Sleep Therapy Center of Delaware Valley YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. I haven't even been over there. I think I've seen you talk uh, on there at least once, uh, one of your videos. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank you for sharing and giving all all this information out to the community. Um, So uh, clearly, it's going to be beyond the scope for somebody to capture what happens when they come to your office. I've been in that experience with a family member of mine. I've, taken, I've had the pleasure of taking one of my family members there for her own airway problems. I have to say, this is one of the best run clinics in the country. So I don't have any financial interest in pain and sleep therapy center, but I, I'm just very, very impressed about the way you guys, how professional, how, um, how thorough uh, the, the whole eval is and, and an incredible amount of information you get from the initial consultation. But, and, and so clearly, I'm gonna argue that folks really need to, if you have one of these uh, airway problems, which again, almost all of us do, try to find that, that diamond in the rough, that, that pain and sleep therapy center that's in your community. It might even be worth, in my opinion, to fly to come see Dr. Robinson, if, if uh, because it, sleep and airway is so fundamental, we're talking about the rest of your life and, and it impacts so much of our health. But
1: And here's the thing on that note real quick. So we've had, um, we've had a lot of people that have flown in just for a consultation and what happens during that consultation is my team and I spend three hours with our patients. You've experienced it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a long appointment, but we're, our goal is to not leave any stone unturned. And so, yeah, I can, I can only see, you know, four, five new patients a day. That's, 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 and I have a great team around me to support me to do that, but we're going to spend three hours with you. You're probably going to get individualized one hour of my time to kind of talk about everything. And we've had plenty of people that have flown in for the comprehensive exam. And then I've actually actively gone in and sought out people in their local community who can actually carry out my treatment treatment plan and carry out some of the things that I wanted to have happen. And so we've been able to build some bridges and and kind of connect people into um, uh, some of their cause Once I do a comprehensive evaluation, I create this treatment plan, and it it could be very multidisciplinary. It usually is. You know, I find the right ENT for them. I find the right dentist for them. I find the right orthodontist for them. I find the right lifestyle medicine practitioner for them. I find the right nutritionist for them. And that's sort of what we're building is like this network where if you go to someone like me who can do this comprehensive evaluation, maybe my only job is to be the triage nurse, right? Maybe my only job is to figure out what's going on, uh, uncover the the uh, root of the problem and then set them on a path so that they're not wasting their time, energy, effort, and and money on things that they don't need. And they're in fact getting a streamlined approach. Uh, We like to call it the pathway to health, right? We like to put that patient on the pathway to health and they, and we'll tell them all the different stops that they need to have on that pathway. And we've, we've gone out of our way several times to find people in their local community, or at least tribal that can carry out, you know, our plan. Um, So, Yeah,
0: I I can definitely vouch a very powerful experience and including CT scan and thorough evaluation of the airway and you really walk out of there in one day with the explanation. And it's usually multiple things. It's a list of problems or or, and uh, opportunities to improve your and and achieve your victory as you call it and achieve that big uh, fundamental goal that you're seeking. Uh, But, but so
1: before we conclude. Can I ask mean, this, Dave? Yes. How cool was it to see your entire skull up on a big screen and us be able to measure how big your airway was? Yeah. How cool is it to, to see someone's airway in three dimensions? So one of the coolest tools in technology, I won't talk about all of them, just this one is the only one that I really think everyone needs to have at some point. Um, you know, I kind of, I say this all the time, but it's like, you know, your physicians recommend you get, you get blood tests every year, every two years, whatever it is, like everybody should have a sleep test and everybody should have a CT scan of their skull. And a CT scan is literally 12 microsieverts of radiation. So less radiation than a full series of dental x-rays, right? So we're not talking about overexposure to radiation. We're talking about 12 microsieverts of radiation, which is more, which is less than you get on a flight from Delaware to North Carolina. Right. And, and what they see is they see their jaw joint health, they see their nose, they see whether or not their are septum straight, they see whether or not they have healthy sinuses. We measure their airway through 3D imaging and, the, and, and technology that is able to show us how much room they have to breathe with. Like that's the coolest thing in the world because that shows the structural stuff that we've been talking about. And then once we understand structure, we just have to marry function for that. We have other ways to test for that stuff. But as you know, it comes down to structure, it comes down to function, it comes down to behavior. When you put all those things together, that's when you find your pathway to, to health.
0: So, but and yes, and, and, and it is powerful to, to see that airway, because um, when else are you ever going to see it? And I, I, we came out of there with more measurements than I've ever gotten in the course of a single clinical encounter. It was It's unbelievable. You're measuring angles uh, that the jaw can open and, and with the tongue extended in, in the right position. And on and on and on, the neck range of motion because uh, so much is linked to that airway uh, but i but I would like to capture if we could a list of things that people can do for their for themselves short of finding that diamond in the rough that that airway expert in their area
1: absolutely um, yeah, so what so you' you're asking what what can they do starting today to make better choices and things like that
0: sleep better, breathe better.
1: Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, we can start with, with, uh, you know, sleep hygiene. Let's make sure we are, you know, reverse engineering our schedules. Okay. If we need to be up at 6.00 AM for our morning workout, then we need to count backwards eight hours from that. And we need to be in bed. We need to, we need to be ready, you know, to go to sleep and allow the brain to go to sleep seven to nine hours before you know, that time that we need to, we need to wake up. So let's start reverse engineering our sleep, right? Let's be methodical here. Like we need the correct amounts of sleep. Um, uh, secondly, let's make sure we have the right, um, environment to sleep in. Let's make sure we have, um, you know, a room that we consider our, our sleep sanctuary, right? We need to have these, uh, temperatures between 62 and 68 degrees in order to sleep well and, and, and regulate our body temperature. We need to have a dark room. We need to have you know, no ambient you know, noises that are um, dysfunctional. We need, to, um, we need to get the dog out of the bed. We need to uh, correct our kids' sleep so our kids aren't waking us up you know, throughout the night. We need to close our windows so we don't get these you know, allergens that come in through the windows. We need to maybe potentially use white noise, maybe use white noise from a white noise machine or pink noise has actually been shown to increase uh, deep sleep. So we can use these uh, sounds and things like that. We need to start tracking our sleep, right? There's so many great sleep trackers out there. I, I gave you Snorelab; that's a fantastic one. They have the Aura Ring. They have um, the the little thing that you put on your um, on your wrist. They have uh, the eye watches and Apple watches and stuff. Now, I mean, we can start tracking our sleep. We can do that. Let's not eat before bed, right? Let's not let's not do anything to um, uh, inflammatory to the body right before bed. Let's make good choices with food. Let's give our, our bodies enough time to digest that food um, before we actually go to bed. It's no secret that if we choose to eat spaghetti and meatballs an hour before bed, yeah, you know, we might, we might not have the best sleep that night. Uh, whereas if we have a salad with, with, you know, good greens and good nutritional uh, things with, you know, water and things like that before we go to bed, you know, we're not going to have as, as disruptive of sleep. Um, so these are some behavioral, some lifestyle things that you can do to get, to get better sleep. Um, yeah, alarms, right. Don't set, don't set these, uh, terrible alarms in the morning. Like, you know, set these alarms that actually help you, uh, gradually wake up. Um, the, there's blinds out there now that you can kind of, you know, a certain time they start to open up. So the sunlight, you know, comes in, like, let's start getting back to the processes that we, that we know to be, um, healthy for our biologic processes. Uh, for our circadian rhythms and things like that, right? Um, so put, put, put away the blue light. You know, it's so many of our patients nowadays, they're binging on Netflix. They have their, their phones out. They fall asleep to their phones. You know, that's blue light. You know, there's things we can do to, you know, eliminate blue light, whether or not, if you have to be on that phone, if you have to have that TV on, you know, make sure you set a sleep timer. That TV needs to go off. If you're on your phone, you know, and you're staring into that phone up until the, the last minute that you fall asleep, maybe you can wear some blue light glasses. There's glasses available, very cheap glasses that you can get on Amazon. So that, that blue light is not emitted into the optic nerve and, and creating, you know, the imbalance of hormones that tell your body that it's, um, not ready to go to sleep. Adenosine, adenosine being the biggest one of those. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of little things. There's a lot of little things you can do to improve, uh, you know, your sleep and, and, you know, don't snore. If you snore, you need to go, you need to go see somebody. You need to go, you need to go find someone who can help. Um, you know, make sure you're washing your nose. How about that one? How about, how about you wash your nose at nighttime before you go to bed, you know, use some of these, uh, saline sprays. We, we highly recommend clear, which is spelled X L E A R. It's, it's saline with a little xylitol in it, which is an antibacterial, um, uh, forming uh, substance, which is natural to the body. Um, you know, but wash your nose before you go to bed. We wash every other orifice in our body. Why not wash our noses? Make sure that thing is you know, fully functional to, to do what it's supposed to when we go to sleep at nighttime. Um, these are all some little things you can do, some mm-hmm. things you can do today. Okay,
0: and, and that is a powerful uh, list of sleep hygiene uh, spoken, very well spoken. Uh, <clears throat> another thing I, I, you might add is, uh, and this is commonly available is a sleep study. So uh, although the CT scans and the airway analysis that you do is not very commonplace, sleep studies are everywhere, are available everywhere. So that's something everybody should get. And they should look at that AHI, the uh, apnea hypopnea index, right? And, And what's your threshold for abnormality?
1: My threshold? Yeah,
0: one. One. If it's over one time an hour, that you experience a apnea or a hypopnese, stop breathing more than 10 seconds, then that's abnormal, that's detrimental, and that's a sign that you probably have some degree of sleep disordered breathing that could be causing serious health problems. Absolutely, yeah, okay. yep. Uh, what else would be on this checklist of things people can do in their local community?
1: <clears throat> um, hmm, that's a good question. So what else? Well, I would say um, everybody, everybody should go see their dentist, right? Everybody should be seeing the dentist every six months. I think you should start asking your dentist what they see in your mouth and in your airway because more and more dentists are becoming educated on this. So just routine checkup, you know, hey, doc, um, coming in for my routine checkup. I'd, I'd like to know, do you know anything about airway? Um, Because I hear that more and more dentists are getting involved. Or maybe this could be your physician as well. You know, tell me, based off of your evaluation, you know, what do you see? Is there something that you see that may be a red flag for um, an airway problem or a sleep problem? Um, Because a lot of our providers know. You don't have to seek out, you know, necessarily seek out a specialist like me. Maybe your dentist is learning some of the easy, you know, low-hanging fruit to be able to identify um, some of these problems. I think that would, that would be great. I think the home sleep testing, Dave, is extremely empowering. I mean, holy moly, that we have a lot of, every community has a pulmonologist who is board certified in sleep in there, every single one of them, mm-hmm. because you know what? CPAPs are given out to a ton of people. Now, a lot of people fail CPAP and they can't do it, but just because you get a sleep test doesn't necessarily mean that you need a CPAP, right? And that, And that's what we found with, When we first started screening for this, a lot of our patients go, doc, I don't want to talk about this, okay? I I don't want to find out this problem because I know the solution is already going to be. They're going to strap me to a machine on my face. They're going to tell me to wear it for the rest of my life and I'm not doing it. I don't want to do it. Never do that. And so don't tell me to take a sleep test because I'm afraid of what they're going to find. But I'm here to tell you, that sleep test is just information. Once you have information, then you can go find a specialist that there's a problem like me who can then direct you down the path that you may need to go because not everybody needs a CPAP. In fact, there's a ton, the majority of patients that get positive sleep tests. We can get around using a CPAP if that's something that is fearful for you.
0: Well, can we go there a, bit, a minute? Because most of the medical community, uh, probably including myself, would say, you know, it, it's it's a very simple situation. You get a sleep study. If there's abnormal sleeping uh, breathing, you get a you, you you institute CPAP. That's the one therapy that we use and. Tell me what's the problem with that. Why why should we refine that algorithm?
1: Yeah, well, for one, we have a system failure where we have the the data supports this. There's an over 50% likelihood of patients not wearing their CPAP. And let's, let's be honest. Do you know what the CPAP standards are? It's four hours a day, five nights a week. So you have these patients who are, and these patients are considered compliant and they're sleeping for eight, nine, 10 hours, but they're only wearing the CPAP for four hours because it's what their insurance requires. And they're only doing it for five nights a week. They're, they're, they're falling in that minimum compliance rate, which for the most part, a lot of people have their biggest medical emergencies in the early morning of in early mornings, right? That's when we have, we see the most amount of heart attacks. That's when we see the most amount of you know, uh, strokes and things like that when people are sleeping is in the early mornings. Well, guess what? The patient went to bed at nine, ten o'clock, 11 o'clock at nighttime with the CPAP on their face. They woke up at two o'clock, ripped it off, put it on their nightstand, and then went back to sleep. And that's considered compliant. So uh, CPAP is not for everybody. And CPAP can become very um, uh, can become very obtrusive and people get claustrophobic with it. People have a whole host of issues that you wouldn't believe with it keeping their bed partner up, leakages in their mask, they're not cleaning it properly, um, uh, opening up and 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 allowing themselves to have more um, you know infections and allergies and things like this. Here's one of the things, and I don't I don't agree with it, but the study that just came out um, by the um, I forget what exactly organization looked at this, but they're actually going to start recommending that physicians not prescribe CPAP because of the economic impact it has um, on patients and how much money is being utilized for it for something that's actually failing. I don't agree with that. I think CPAPs are fantastic for so many patients and it is sort of the gold standard, but we're learning more about treating the root cause, Dave. And that's the whole thing, right? A CPAP is kind of like the pill right? It's not going to correct the problem that, that, that got you there. I mean, your airway is still collapsible. You're still breathing through your mouth. You still have a small airway. You still have muscles in your airway that are lazy and are collapsible. So we're not actually treating the problem. We're just treating um, you know, the part of the problem that's easiest to treat, which is, which is the fact that you stop breathing. So um, there, people, here's the thing. We, we know that the majority of patients don't want sleep studies because they're fearful of getting a CPAP. Why don't we erase that? From from their doubt. Why don't Why don't we say, Hey, we'll figure out what the best path for you is. It may be a CPAP. It may be an oral appliance. It may be orthodontics. It may be an ENT procedure. It may be an oral surgery procedure. It may be an Inspire procedure. There's so. It might be a lifestyle change. It might be positional therapy. You know. It might be nutritional counseling. Uh, there's so many things we can talk about when it comes to this. I believe. Airway is a huge problem that we have. So why not make our solutions more comprehensive? You know, why just say that everybody needs to put a machine on their face? And once they fail that, then they can look into a comprehensive model. But I just CPAP, think that's so, so archaic. I think that that's so simple.
0: So CPAP sometimes can be uh, really effective though, right? Some people 100%. wonderful results. And, and really can stop every- with the CPAP. Is that true? Or, or do you think even a large percentage of people who are using a CPAP would benefit from some additional diagnostic or therapeutic uh, interventions?
1: I think if you're not using your CPAP for the length of your sleep, and you still have the same chronic disease and nothing seems to be improving and you're not feeling any better, I think you should look for a more comprehensive model. But I, I, you know, I send patients out with CPAPs every single day. I mean, a lot of my patients get, you know, prescribed the CPAP because for a lot of patients, they work. That's probably about 30% of patients that test positive, 25, 30% actually the CPAP works. Um, but for those patients, it's life changer. I mean, there's, there's patients that have come back, you know, two days after starting CPAP and said, oh my gosh, I never realized how good my sleep could be. So I'm not poo-pooing CPAP at all. There's 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 absolutely, absolutely a place for that. And it still should be number one option considered. I'm just saying, as we develop and get more people um, educated on this, there's a large population of patients that will never even get tested because they're fearful of that. And there's an even greater amount of people that get tested and actually fail that therapy. So if our success rate is 50% for a therapy, we might need to look into... Um, Hey, there's other options that we need to discuss with our patients. Okay. So CPAP
0: is the gold standard. It's the number one option if there's an airway problem, but there's a whole lot of problems with it. People have trouble being compliant. It's expensive. It's very, very hard to get. There's a lot of red tape. Uh, And bottom line is people don't tend to adhere to it very, very well. So, uh, and what's more, it has the potential of not being completely uh, solve the problem. so basically, you know if your CPAP is working and you don't need to go seek out Dr. Robinson if you're using it your entire night of sleep and if um, you have solved all of your airway issues uh, with, with the CPAP, they all went, everything went away and you, you you're no longer running through our reverse checklist of all the problems related to the airway, they're all solved, then you're good. You've, you have solved the problem, you're no longer snoring, you're no longer mouth breathing, um, Etc.
1: And you're feeling good. You, wait, you're, you wake up feeling good. You
0: feel better. You don't have insomnia. You have better energy. It's uh, no anxiety, depression, etc. Um, so, is there anything else for our list of things that people can do on their own for their airway?
1: Um, I don't. Not really. Um,
0: that covers it.
1: Yeah, I think I think that that covers it. Okay. I mean.
0: Now, if, if everybody were to follow uh, this checklist, and, and I guess one of the items we're going to put in the checklist is self-diagnosis. Like, get yourself that Snore Lab app. Ask, ask around. Find out if you're mouth breathing, if you're snoring. Find out, you know, look at our list of symptoms. Are you having the symptoms associated with sleep disordered breathing? Kind of help, help. Or use your doctor to help diagnose you. Use your dentist to help diagnose you. But you also use this checklist because your doctor or dentist might under-diagnose you. Uh, and, and if you find this problem, seek out uh, somebody who is specialized in the airway, seek out uh, these organiza- these three organizations that you listed. Uh, so that's gonna be our checklist. So to understand uh, what would be the impact if everybody were to follow this checklist, everybody out there who would be a candidate uh, who has one of these problems that we listed uh, and, and they were to follow this checklist, and, and what, would be, what would be the
1: outcome? Oh my gosh! Well, for one, we would have uh, happier people, right? Isn't that isn't that the isn't that what uh, this um, isn't that what the world is all about? I know in in this in this country at least, it's like you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Isn't that what we're all going for? Is happiness? I mean, isn't that the ultimate goal in life? Is to have happiness? I mean, geez, if we do if we if we do something that we that we do every day, like breathing, if we do something well that like we do every day, like sleeping man, we're going to have way better quality of life, man, we are going to be, you know, more um, productive people, we're going to be happier people, we're going to form better relationships, we're going to be less dependent on medications, we're going to have less emergencies in our life, we're going to be able to deal with stress, we're going to be able to deal with the COVID virus, we're going to be able to deal with things that are always going to be stressors in our life. I mean, um, man, I just, I, I, the impact on this is health. Yeah, it's health. That's, that's the impact is like we have more people who actually understand what health looks like. And we, right. we can maybe have more physicians turn their attention to less sick care and more health care. Wasn't that the whole purpose of it in the first place is to create health? Like instead of creating health, our physicians these days and our dentists these days are just putting out fires and they're just practicing sick care. And you know, maybe less sick care, more health care, you know, getting back to the, to the roots of what creates the, the a healthy happy person that's the that's the impact you know this is uh geez i utopia we're on our on our way to utopia so we've come full circle back to that the root
0: cause and and it is it is so fundamental um i love it so i think we've got a really powerful checklist here um the the clinic is the pain and sleep therapy center in uh, wilmington delaware newcastle county delaware it might well be worth a journey For you, um, because it is that revealing, and I I, I say that I don't say that lightly. I mean, I don't like to, uh, you know, recommend uh, people that much, but I'm literally saying that it might well be worth your time and money to fly to Philadelphia and make make the short trip down to uh, the Pain and Sleep Therapy Center and, and see Dr. Ryan Robinson. We we are lucky that the guy isn't overwhelmed with patients. He probably is, but he still has some uh, slack in his schedule and is able to see us but also the the look for them on on youtube pain and sleep therapy center of delaware valley look for them on linkedin instagram facebook and the website um painandsleepcenter.com look for dr ryan robinson's new book called the root cause what's the subtitle
1: discover the why behind your tmj and sleep problems
0: there it is and but uh, so there it is. And but before we part ways, I have to say we have. A, a, I'm excited that we have a very talented intern who has been working with me, uh, named Rian Benani, and he is here. And had he's been going deep into this sleep topic, and uh, he has. Uh, I think Rian, uh, I think you have some questions for this sleep and airway guru, Dr. Ryan Robinson. Hopefully that he we haven't yeah. yet answered.
1: Um, so I think one thing that I was thinking of was, uh, well, what do you tell patients that you determine need a CPAP but uh, don't want to, to use one? Yeah, great question. So you're saying I see a patient, I'm like, hey, I think the best solution for you is a CPAP, and they push back and they say don't, they don't want to do it? Right, yeah. Um, yeah, so basically what I do is you know, I try to remove their obstacles to getting treated. So, you know, there's, I mean, a lot of, it's a shame, but a lot of patients are just, they live in fear and they live with old wives tales, like kind of like preventing them from getting what they need. So, you know, I just, I ask them questions, you know, Hey, tell me just kind of, you know, tell, give me some more information on why, you know, CPAP you don't think would fit for your lifestyle um, and why you're afraid of it or something like that. So I want to get to the root of the problem, right? I mean, this is a central theme is. We wanna keep asking questions until we understand what someone's obstacles are. And so as human beings, we're very complex people. We all have different set of um, obstacles and roadblocks that we put in front of ourselves to prevent us you know, from getting what we need. And I try to identify those and, and then break it down from an educational perspective. You know, hey, this is why it would help you. Um, you know, oh, you thought that? Well, you know, do you mind if I go into a little bit more about what the consequences are? You know, if we don't do something like this, or do you you mind me kind of um, laying out a picture for what your life could look like with with this therapy on board? Um, So I try and show them, you know, not necessarily focus on the treatment modality. I try and show them what their life will look like um, once they start using this therapy. And I think that is very motivating for patients. We oftentimes have patients that cry when they come here because they've kind of found the root of the problem and they have hope. And um, they're willing to do whatever it takes to get better. They're willing, because they understand it now and they understand that what their life can look like if they get treated. So um, listen, we try and do that first and foremost. You know, if they still give pushback and they still say, listen, this is not for me. Okay, you know, we'll we'll meet you with where where you're at. Let's talk about some other solutions. Let's talk about plan B. Let's talk about plan C. Let's talk about what those pathways look like. So it's not a one size fits all model but it's a great question. Thank you. Right, yeah, absolutely. Um I don't think I have any more questions, but um, I guess, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I have anything else, sorry.
0: I'll ask a quick follow-up. There's different kinds of CPAP, right? Does it matter?
1: Yeah, it does. So, um, you know, see the, the, the DME companies, um, uh, durable medical, medical equipment companies, they're getting a little bit um, smarter. And so they're trying to create these customized um, CPAP machines, and they're not even called CPAP. Uh, it could be an AutoPAP. It could be a BiPAP. So we have um, different styles. We have a full face mask. Um, we have a smaller face mask. We have, a fit, uh, we have a mask that just goes over the nose. We have now these nasal pillows that go right into the nostrils here. So the machines are getting more, um, less uh, obst- obstructive, less uh, abrasive, less uh, claustrophobic. Um, a little bit easier. They're becoming quieter. Um, We have, instead of just pumping the same amount of oxygen and, or I'm sorry, the same amount of air through someone's airway from the time they go to sleep to the time they uh, wake up in the morning, we've now learned how to uh, auto titrate that and how to put the patient's uh, machine in like a range. So maybe you go to sleep and when you first go to sleep, your airway is still working a little bit as, as, as you, you probably know, the deeper sleep we get is the more collapsible our, our airway becomes so actually the machine will ramp up when it feels resistance to breathing. So you might start on four liters of you know, air uh, when you go to sleep and you might get up to 15 liters of air you know, in the middle of your sleep. So the machine actually titrates uh, for whatever is needed for your airway. So we've, we've gotten a lot uh, more clever with these machines. We've made them quieter. We made them smaller. We've been able to put them just on the nose if the patient can keep their lips shut. Um, so whether or not you're a mouth breather or a nasal breather, we fit masks for people that are different that, uh, uh, these days. Um, and we've, uh, the technology has improved a lot too. So you're, you're exactly right. There's a lot of different machines that are out there. That's why it's important to see, um, to work with somebody who can actually customize uh, the approach for them.
0: Cool. So it's getting a lot more palatable. And uh, if, if, you, if you were turned off from CPAP, years ago the message is hey well it's gotten better Mm -hmm. i I think it's Mm -hmm. worth a try and try to use it every night i've encouraged some patients to try it on the daytime Mm -hmm. um, so that you can just get used to having it in i I think it's my theory is it's just a matter of getting logging the hours you know getting certain um, once you get to a certain threshold of hours that you've used a thing you're used to it and you can you can now use it for the rest of your life but at the same time let's treat the underlying cause that's causing you to need this machine, because by the way, there's all sorts of other problems associated with that too. Well, listen, this has been an awesome discussion. Uh, Dr. Ryan Robinson, I, I so value the time that I get to spend with you. Um, many, many thanks for taking this, this long amount of time for this thorough uh, interview we just had. I have to say, there is so much information in this, in this, that, this interview. I am so proud of this discussion we've had. I am so eager to get this message out. So um, many, many thanks, Dr. Ryan Robinson. We will put this on, the, on our webpage. We will have our checklist. We will have lots of information. We're going to have a picture of, of the, the graphic that's in Dr. Robinson's waiting room, if he'll allow us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we will have links to everything. So many, many thanks, Ryan.
1: Awesome. Well, listen, thanks so much. I'll do this anytime you want. This is uh, my passion. So if you need to grab me at 10 o'clock at nighttime or when the kids go to sleep anytime i'm I'm (laughs) Uh, it's it's all good so thanks so much for having me this was a this was a a special treat for me today and um i'm sure we'll be talking with you soon all right i look forward
0: to working with you more in the in the near future you take care ryan all right take care thanks so here it is the checklist to identify and fix your airway breathing and sleep problems Number one, identify if you might have a problem with breathing in your sleep. If you snore, you probably have a problem. If you have insomnia, you likely have a problem. The other kinds of signs that you might have a problem, it's a long list, but it includes things like headaches, tiredness, jaw pain, joint pain, fibromyalgia, mouth breathing, dry mouth in the morning, other chronic diseases, the list is quite long. The point being, that airway problems can be heralded signified by a long list of things and if you can fix your airway there's the potential of fixing a long list of problems number two test your breathing at night by using the free app called SnoreLab. it listens to your sleep and tells you how much you're snoring number three tell your doctor or provider about your concerns request a sleep study Number four, once you've gotten that sleep study, know what your apnea hypopnea index is. That's also called the AHI. This is a score uh, of how many times per hour you pause more than 10 seconds in your breathing. These pauses lead to significant disruption of sleep. So whether you end up getting diagnosed with obstructive sleep apnea or not, if your AHI is greater than one, then you have a big opportunity to improve your sleep and your level of rest restfulness if your ahi is one or less then you're done with the checklist you're good to go number five optimize your sleep routine follow a lifestyle checklist for better sleep such as set your bedtime so that you know you can get a good eight hours of sleep avoid eating before bed wash your nose at nighttime before going to bed using nasal saline sprays like clear spelled x-l-e-a-r avoid sleeping pills of all kinds there is no sleeping pill that improves restfulness with the exception maybe of melatonin because it can help with jet lag get to get the bedroom environment proper Um, we recommend you keep your bedroom cool and quiet and ideally free of screens like uh, blue glowing LED screens glowing in your eyes. Um, Close those windows so that you can avoid the allergens. Um, Avoid watching screens before bed too. It's it's not necessarily a healthy sleep habit to watch TV and then go right to bed. That TV um, can really awaken you and it can make it harder to go to sleep. We recommend avoiding caffeine for a good 10 hours before sleep. Sleep trackers like Aura Ring or an Apple Watch can really be helpful. If you have sleep apnea, we recommend the CPAP. That's a continuous positive airway pressure machine. That is the gold standard. Ask for a newer and more sophisticated version that automates the amount of pressure and kind of slowly ramps up the pressures to maximize your level of comfort. Um, You can experiment with different kinds of masks. There's masks that just go into the nose and don't touch much of the face. Uh, I recommend practice wearing your CPAP machine as much as you can so that you can get used to it. Um, Regardless of whether you're using a CPAP machine or not, uh, it's probably going to be beneficial to get your airway evaluated. Uh, To do that, you need to find a specialist who is an expert in the airway. This can be hard because there is no such thing as a airway specialist officially. So you have to find people in your area or beyond your area who are certified with either the AAPMD, that's the American Academy of Physiologic Medicine and Dentistry, or the AADSM, the American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine. Number eight, fix the underlying problems of your airway using therapies recommended by your airway specialist such as and it depends on what your airway specialist is going to recommend but these are the kinds of things they might recommend a custom fitted oral appliance myofunctional therapy which i i have found to be very effective weight loss and eating an anti-inflammatory diet by switching to a whole food plant-based diet which is good for just about anything that ails you Breathing exercises, this is something that we all would benefit from and I wish they would teach it in K through 12. Breathing exercises very important, none of us has, has studied it nearly enough. And there's simple things like taping your mouth closed at night or using breathe right strips sometimes can help too. Number nine, learn more about the airway. This is a fascinating topic. And Scientific literature has only begun to scratch the surface. Some good books I recommend. The Root Cause by Dr. Ryan Robinson. Breath by, by James Nestor. And The Oxygen Advantage by Patrick McKeown. And that is our checklist. Take care, everybody.